know Miss Carrie Deal, uh, man, you're you're missing a blessing. Um, getting to know her and Woody and the family, just a phenomenal group of people. And Miss um, Carrie's well studied uh, as well. She is a a minister in her own right, has a heart for ministry and passion for the Lord. Love the humility and desire that uh, she has. I know that you're going to be blessed tonight. I've got some handouts coming around. (laughs) And I I am lighting the candles. I hope I can figure this out. Do you have to push it and then push it down? Oh, up. Uh, Yes. Not that I'm any better. Aha. Thank you. I think it's the pink candle tonight. Is that correct? We light all the way around to the pink one. So I am a much better writer than I am a speaker. So usually when I'm going to share something, I write it down. And after I was listening to V teach last week and Pastor Paul said, I wish we all had those verses to look at later. I thought, why not just copy everything down and just in case you want to study later on your own because I do tend to talk very fast also and I may go past things so quickly that you might think what what did she say and it might have been of interest you might want to look it up later so I just made a copy for um, hopefully everyone can at least look at a copy um, as we go and I will probably mostly be reading So you can follow along on your paper, and the scriptures will also be up there on the big screen. Um, And if if there's time for questions afterwards, if I go too fast over something, you're welcome to ask me to go back to it. But I had the candle, the pink candle tonight, which um, stood for the shepherds and for joy were the two subjects that I was told. So as I was praying about it, I wanted to tie in the shepherds and the time of our great joy to the birth of Messiah. So first, we're just going to read from Luke 2, 1 through 21. And I just realized I have a piece of gum. Is there a garbage can I can put it in somewhere? A Kleenex. Oops. Sorry about that. (laughs) I should have done that earlier. And I've got to take my glasses off to read, so... And it came to pass in those days that a a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there was born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. 
you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Every piece fits perfectly like the pieces of a puzzle. As we study the word together, I want us to remember that every detail in the scriptures is there by design. There is layer upon layer of truth in the word, like buried treasure waiting to be discovered. Proverbs 25.2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. And I really like that scripture because I am a treasure hunter, and I love it that God has hidden so much treasure in his word for me to discover. The Jewish rabbis study Torah, or the Hebrew scriptures, their entire lives, but they know that they will not understand it completely until Messiah teaches them in the Messianic age. They say that he will interpret the passages, the words, the letters, and even the spaces between the letters. They understand there is great depth and detail in the scriptures. We read about this in Isaiah 2. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. Jesus hinted about the depth of scripture in Matthew 5. Don't think that I have come to abolish the Torah or the prophets. Biblical sources that can help us piece the event together, as well as prophecies and parallels from the Hebrew scriptures or Old Testament. We can use extra biblical sources like the Talmud, the Mishnah, and the writings of Josephus or other historians as we would use our own history books or commentaries. Many of them can tell us a part of the story that was passed down orally or recorded separately. We usually have only a part of a person's life recorded in our holy scriptures. The Torah was written down by Moses as an account of the story of God's chosen people. Each life mentioned in the Torah is recorded for the part he or she played in the story. The story may start when that person is 70 years old, like Abram or Abraham. That's when he comes into our story in our Bible. But when his part is complete, his story will be wrapped up concisely, even though he may not have actually died yet. The story will then go on with the next patriarch or generation that continues the theme. Some extra-biblical sources can give us more information about the lives of biblical characters that were passed down orally until they were eventually written down. During the time that Jesus, or Yeshua as he was called, when he was on the earth, was born, the Jewish people of the day knew all these extra-biblical stories. They held them as truth, along with the Torah, and the stories would help them to identify their Messiah. And so um, I want to uh, start here with the sign in the sky to prophesy Messiah's coming. In the case of Jesus, his birth was prophesied extraordinary and of great importance. His birth also parallels some of the patriarchs as a sign of his mission on earth. There were others who were seen as saviors to Israel before Jesus. Two of these great men were Abraham and Moses. We find information about their births in some of the extra-biblical sources. Both of their births were also foretold in the sky. There are Jewish legends or stories about the births of Abraham and Moses that correlate to the birth of Jesus in this way. Legend says that Abraham's father Terah was an idol maker for King Nimrod. There was a sign in the sky when Abraham was born foretelling the birth of a great leader to the people. 
When Nimrod was informed of this, he tried to kill Abraham, but was deceived. Abraham was hidden from Nimrod for 13 years and then was sent to live with some of his great-grandparents, Noah and Shem, who trained him up in the ways of God. According to legend, he didn't return to his father until he was 40 years old. Now, when I was hearing this story for the first time, I'm going to have a timeline up here. I don't know if you can see it from back there, but when I first saw this timeline, Jewish legends also say that at the time Moses was born, Pharaoh was approached by his astrologers who warned him that, according to the stars, the Savior of Israel would soon be born. They advised him to kill all the Hebrew baby boys in slavery in Egypt. Josephus writes about this in the Antiquities of the Jews. He said, One of Pharaoh's sacred scribes who had wisdom to predict the future told the king that, in truth, a child was about to be born to the Israelites, who, if he was allowed to live, would humble the kingdom of Egypt and exalt the Israelites. This man would surpass all men in virtue and obtain a reputation that would endure for all ages. The king was so frightened that he took this man's advice and commanded that they should cast every male child born to the Israelites into the river and kill it. Jewish sages expected the birth of Messiah to parallel that of Moses as they referred to Messiah as the future redeemer and Moses as the first redeemer. Moses referred to Messiah in Deuteronomy 18 as a prophet that was to come. Adonai will raise up for you a prophet like me from among yourselves, from your own kinsmen. You are to pay attention to him. And then a little bit later, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their kinsmen. I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell them everything I order him. Whoever doesn't listen to my words, which he will speak in my name, will have to account for himself to me. The Jewish people were also looking for Messiah to come as this prophet. He would be the one to redeem them again. And I just, I have a, a book for children that has this little comparison chart that I sent out to. It's a prophet like Moses, and I mean, you don't have to read all of it right now, but I thought it's so interesting to see the parallels, and it's not, it's no accident, again, because our God sets everything in perfect order. So he paralleled the, the great prophet Moses to the prophet that was to come, who was Jesus, the Messiah. So you can take that home and look at that later. If Jesus was the promised Messiah, was it any wonder his birth was also written in the sky? In Numbers, a prophecy was given to Balaam. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. The post-rabbinic Midrash, Agadat HaMashiach, says, It is taught in the name of our sages that a star will emerge in the east. This is the star of Messiah. A star shall appear from the east, and on top of it a rod of fire, like a spear. The Gentile nations will claim that star is ours, but it is not so. Rather, it pertains to Israel, as scripture forecast. A star shall step forth from Jacob. <clears throat> Excuse me. Revelation 12 may describe what actually happened in the sky. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains in the agony of giving, giving birth. And this conjunction... Um, that mirrors this scripture um, has happened in the sky several times in the history of the world. The conjunction was documented in the sky in September 11th on Rosh Hashanah during the fall feast. And it may or may not be the one. I'm just, you know, questioning about it. 
In Matthew 2, we read, After Yeshua Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the land of Judah, during And now, um, the second part I want to talk about is Messiah would be a descendant of David, born in David's hometown, Bethlehem. David was born in Bethlehem. He was a humble shepherd who became a mighty king. Hundreds of years later, the prophet Micah prophesied that another shepherd king would be born there. But you, O Bethlehem, for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. God did provide himself the lamb for the sacrifice. This was a prophecy of Yahweh God giving his son himself as a replacement for Isaac. And then in 1 Peter, for you know that it was not with perishable in Micah 4, 8, and you, O tower of the flock, have happened on these appointed times. Yahweh God has ordered it this way. Throughout history, there have also been many signs in the sky during these times. Actually, there have been in our last few years, all the blood moons and all, all the things that happened like that in the skies all fall on the feast days. If you go back and look at them, they all fall during those times because God speaks in the skies to us. If all other prophesied times fall on the feast days, why would Messiah's birth be any different? No plans of God happen accidentally or randomly. They're all planned from the foundation of the world. So even though we celebrate at this time of year, there are several reasons Messiah's birth may have been on the Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkot. So that's what I want us to dig in a little bit to tonight. There's a Jewish tradition that says the Messiah would come secretly at Hanukkah and publicly at Sukkot. And Sukkot is the, probably the word I'm going to be using instead of Feast of Tabernacles. It's a lot shorter. So when you hear me say that, I mean Feast of Tabernacles. So this little um, tradition means they expected him to be conceived on Hanukkah and born on Sukkot. The Feast of Tabernacles, or Sukkot, is a celebration of God dwelling among his people in the wilderness after they were freed from slavery in Egypt. The people lived in tents, or Sukkot, as they moved from place to place. Yahweh God also dwelled with them in his holy tabernacle, a special tent for his presence. This would be a perfect time for Emmanuel, God with us, to come to dwell with his people. Because in the past, that's when God came to dwell with his people, and now Emmanuel would come to dwell with his people. Isaiah 7:14 says, "Therefore the Lord himself." So we'll look at Luke 1. Now after those days, his wife Elizabeth time of year of John's birth by the account of his father Zechariah's encounter with Gabriel, which is found in Luke 1, 5 through 25. I didn't put all that down here to read, but you can go back and read that whole thing later. I just kind of summarized it because it was kind of already getting long. <laughs> Zechariah was a temple priest. The service of the priests in the temple was separated into 24 divisions. The rotation started in the Hebrew month Abib, which is in March or April on the Gregorian calendar. The divisions would cycle through twice a year, and all priests would serve during the feast. So Luke 1.5 tells us that Zechariah's division was Abijah. 1 Chronicles 24, 3-10 tells us that the division of Abijah was the eighth rotation, making it the tenth week of the year, because of the two feast rotations where all priests served. Zechariah returned home after his service, and we assume Elizabeth conceived after that time. 
By calculating Zechariah's two yearly rotations, John would have been born during the times of the feast in either March or September. Do we have other clues that might point to one over the other? Um, and all of this, again, is making puzzle pieces fit perfectly <laughs> because God is so perfect. The angel told Zechariah that John would come in the spirit and power of Elijah. He, who was John, will also be filled with the Holy Spirit. All foreshadowing and pointing to him, God's great plan of redemption. And then I've got it. Being the time of his birth, it's highly likely that Jesus was born on the first day of the Feast of Sukkot and circumcised on the eighth day to fit in Yahweh's perfect order because that works perfectly. All Jewish men are required to come to Jerusalem three times during the year to celebrate the Feast of the Lord. These are Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot. Oops, I wrote their other names. Passover and Pentecost and Feast of Tabernacles. It would have been sensible for Joseph to make the trip for the census during a required festival. It was also likely that Mary and Joseph would have gone to Bethlehem for the census during one of the feasts when they could accompany a caravan for traveling. The caravan would provide protection from thieves. And then the third little, just extra, is most believed that Jesus had a three-and-a-half-year ministry, which would put his birthday during the fall feast as he was crucified on Passover. Um, because it was, it was at their birthdays on, when they became 30 that they would start their ministry. So now we're getting to the shepherds, finally. Because the shepherds also tie in <laughs> to this same category. Um, according to Luke 2.8, they were watching their flocks by night. Oops, sorry about that. Israel has similar seasons to us here in Tennessee. The winters are usually cold, so, so the shepherds do not. Shepherds are very respected in Israel. Other people didn't respect them, as we read through stories in the Bible, like the Egyptians. Other people don't respect them. But there were some of the great patriarchs who were shepherds, like Moses and David. Besides that, the shepherds in Bethlehem were not ordinary shepherds. They were of a priestly Levitical order who raised lambs for the sacrificial offerings at the temple. And I talked about this a little bit when we had our Bible school, if you guys were there. As was mentioned before, the lambs were raised in a five-mile radius of Jerusalem. The Levitical shepherds would protect and care for these sheep, which must be kept spotless for the sacrifice. The sacrificial lambs were born in special lambing caves, like ones in Migdal Adair, that were kept sterile and clean. One of the jobs of the priestly shepherd families was to aid the ewe lambs when they gave birth. This was the purpose of the caves. They were also could protect them while they were in the caves, because they could sit, stand at the door and keep predators from coming in. After the lambs were born, they were wrapped in special strips of cloth from old and worn priestly garments. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Could these shepherds have been watching their sheep at Migdal Adair from the prophecy? They knew where to find the child the angel spoke of because of the sign. They knew he would be in one of the lambing caves in Bethlehem, wrapped in the old priestly garments. Most manger scenes picture the baby Jesus in a stable of sorts. But even the early church fathers, Origen and Eusebius, mention a cave. 
Well, I hope you've had much to think about as we looked for clues to tie in the shepherds and the joy of Sukkot to the birth of Messiah. The time of year and other details of his birth are exciting to think about, but we can base our hope on the basis. He was born in Bethlehem, just as the prophecies foretold, at a time when all the surrounding area was full of Jews visiting from all over. He was born where all the Passover lambs were born. Just like the lambs, he was wrapped in swaddling cloths and laid in a manger. In the sky, a unique star shone to announce his birth to those who were watching and waiting. The host of heaven sang to welcome him and reveal his birth to the priestly shepherds that watched over the Bethlehem flocks. Jesus, our Messiah, our Passover lamb was born. Glory to God in the highest. That's it. Did I make it? Did I go over? <laughs> so I talked really fast. <laughs> I, hope you, I hope you guys all learned something new. I love to study the scriptures. Every time you do, you can learn something new. Amen. Come on. <laughs> Dr. Mosher's coming this time to uh, sing a solo. <laughs> he said so. It's all right. She did bring a recipe up. If you want to, if you would like her recipe, it is up here on front. And those of you who have cameras can take a picture. <laughs> Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive him, King. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. I think that was fitting for the joy candle, right? <laughs> Any prayer requests that you'd like us to pray with you about tonight before we dismiss? Remember Terry, yes. Terry has bronchitis, so remember him. Oh, wow. Need a miracle. Friend with a lot of um, blood clots in the lungs, and the only way to... to uh, fix that physically in this world is through um, a lung transplant. And so we're, we're believing for a miracle because she does not want to have a lung transplant or does not want to do that. Remember Darren, um, Hedrick, Belinda's son. Uh, he is, many of you who've been here longer than I have will know uh, Darren or Belinda Hedrick and her son who's in a wheelchair and uh, he is in the hospital. Um, I, I, some things we just find out on Facebook. <laughs> so I just saw that on Facebook today. And so just remember, Darren, in your prayers. You guys have a prayer request? Anybody here? All right. Oh, there we go. Isaac Haskin and his family sick. Remember Ed Verkham. Yeah, Cornelia and Ed. Remember Ed. Ed. Anyone else? All right, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. 
God is able, isn't he? And we trust him. Father, we just praise you. We thank you. We love you, Lord. We love you. We, we thank you that you're in this room right now. We thank you, God, from the moment we entered in um, through worship, through our time of singing and uh, bringing glory to you through song. I pray that, that we will truly surrender, truly allow you, God, to do a work in us. Lord, that we'll allow you to complete your work. That you allow you to prepare us for presentation before the Father. God, bring healing and wholeness, not only to our physical being, but our spiritual and emotional side. God, bring wholeness to us. God, cleanse us. Make us righteous before you. Father, I pray for those needs that have been mentioned already. God, bring healing, Lord. We know that you are a God who can do the impossible. In our minds, it's impossible. But Lord, if you can take a hand that's withered up and tell someone to stretch forth your hand and make, make it whole. God, if you can cause a, a young man who's been blind sitting by the roadside and speak life and sight into him, God, we, we know that you're able we know that you are capable of doing far beyond what we may ask or even think. And God, we know that you are still at work. You're still doing miracles even today. And God, we just proclaim your healing presence over every one of these needs. God, that you will step in, that you will be glorified, that you will be exalted in every one of these needs, Lord. We love you. We praise you. We thank you, God, for the message tonight. Lord, I pray that as we look to you, God, that we will look with expectation. We'll look with excitement for your return. In Jesus' name, amen. Hang out and fellowship for a minute. Y'all don't have to roll out of here too quick. One more thing. I also brought some books. If anybody wants to dig in deeper to the Messianic prophecies and the face of the Lord, I know sometimes at this time of year people have more time than normal to read. So I have some if, if anybody wants to borrow one for a month or two. Um, it's just it's one of the most interesting studies, if you've never studied it to, before, to see how every single one of these feasts was pointing to our Jesus, our Messiah. So I have two or three of those up here if anybody wants to borrow one if you got reading time.